I want to be able to share with you guys this morning a little bit from uh, the book of Genesis, and I'll uh, go ahead and we'll read the passage first in Genesis chapter 12, and, uh, and then I want to share just a little bit about it. Uh, first of all, in Genesis 12, verses 1 through 9, this is what we read, and I believe it will be on the screen. I might be mistaken, but Genesis 12, verses 1 through 9 says this, the Lord had said to Abram, grow from your country, your people and your father's household, to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife, Sarai, his nephew, Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moreh at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord, who had appeared to him. From there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued toward the Negev. This past Friday, I had the opportunity to do something with my kids. Uh, uh, Friday morning, Central Elementary School had donuts with dad. Well, on the way there, my son uh, decided that it sounded better, this is the youngest son, to call it Donuts versus Dad. Uh, kind of like coaches versus cancer, that kind of thing. I will tell you that the Donuts won on Friday morning. Uh, me being a good dad, I looked over at my son. I've already had five of these little donut hole things, maybe six. Um, and I looked over at my son's plate, and there's still one sitting there. And of course, I'm always looking after my son. Are you going to finish that? <laughs> so the donuts won on Friday morning. <clears throat> but that being said, let me assure you there will be days that the donuts win. There will also be days when you win. There will be days when you feel like you're in the middle of a deep, dark valley. And other days when you feel like you're standing on top of a mountain. There will be times when you feel like the biggest loser in the world. And other times when you feel like you're the chicken fighting champion of the world and nobody can knock you off. Well, be encouraged in knowing that the true blessing is not found in winning or losing. It's not found in prosperity or in poverty. It is found in a life that is obedient to God. This lesson is what we see here in Genesis chapter 12. The story of Abram, initially his name is Abram, later on it will be referred to as Abraham as he is called by God to go. I can imagine being in his position only so much. You make the statement, don't ask questions, just drive. You guys have probably been on a trip at some point where God, uh, or you had a plan, you had a place you were going. If you have kids, you know the routine. Five minutes into the trip, they're asking, are we there yet? Where are we going? 
When do we get there? Are we there yet? Over and over again. It seems like the same questions just keep coming up. I will tell you, it's the one time I lied to my children. I always tell them 10 more minutes, no matter how much further it is. We might be 10 hours away, but it's 10 more minutes. And they will continue to ask it for a while. And then they realize he's not telling us the truth. So they just stop asking. Well, imagine being Abram, where he is called to go from one place to another. And when they ask that question, where are we going? He's not really able to give that answer. Are we there yet? I don't know. We'll know when we get there. God called Abram in Genesis 12, 1 through 9. He said, leave your country, your native country, your relatives, your father's family. Go to the land that I will show you. Can you get more vague? I will make you into a great nation. I'll bless you and make you famous. And you'll be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. How many sermons have you heard about this previously? Blessed to be a blessing. That sums up the Christian life. Abraham would be taken out of his comfort zone with nothing but a promise from God. He would be protected by God, and this is what I love. He would have worldwide influence. His his life would make a difference. Through him, all the families on the earth would be blessed. And of course, looking back, we see that Jesus came from Abraham's line. So this promise of blessing, the families of the world, it was fulfilled specifically in the salvation that is offered to us. We also see the promise of protection over the Jewish race through the centuries. It seems that Satan has tried to wipe them out so many times, but he hasn't and he won't. But it all began with this ordinary man. We don't know how much Abram, we don't know much about Abram prior to his encounter with God. We know that he was somewhat successful in regards to finances. We know that he had acquired some wealth. He was married, but he doesn't have any children. We also know that he still lived close to home. And I don't want to say he was a mama's boy, but here he was, 75 years old, and still living basically right next to his family. You know, I find it intriguing that God would choose an ordinary man to begin this amazing journey. Even more than that, the fact that he was so ordinary, I am also amazed at his response to God when God calls him. The passage seems to indicate that Abram had never really heard the voice of God speak prior to this occasion. As such, it's amazing that he would be willing to follow a faceless voice. I would say that puts him in very rare company. Most of us would want to have all of the answers first before taking such a journey. We'd want to know that this was more than just an emotional experience, more than our own imagination, more than the result of eating some bad sausage. But Abram hears the voice of God, and by faith, he chooses obedience. I want you to know today that God has chosen me and you. You and I. I'm not sure. You're the math teacher. Is there an English teacher? Which one is it? You guys are as confused as I am. (laughs) God has chosen us. 
God has chosen us to do his work and to be a part of his great plan. When God chose Abram, he chose a man who would influence nations. And God has called us to do the same. Jesus says to us in Matthew 28, verse 19 to 20, I read this just a few weeks ago with you. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. From a practical standpoint, I wonder, are we there yet? God has chosen ordinary people just like us, and he has called out to us, inviting us to new life. But the question is, will we respond with obedience? Most will likely hear God's calling and decide, you know what, I want to think on it for just a little bit. They'll try to process it for a time. They may even try to seek more answers regarding this calling. But few will ever get around to responding to God's invitation. I suggest to you today that we're not all that different from Abram and that God has called out to us. But what sets Abram apart from everyone else is he blindly followed and he decided, I don't have to have all the answers. If you call me, Lord, I will follow. What he was saying is what we sang about just a few moments ago. I surrender all to you. I will do whatever you call me to do. I will go wherever you call me to go. God has called us to walk in obedience to him. He has called you into a right relationship. That means walking away from our old life and into the new life with him. Are we willing to move forward? Are we there yet? Abram was no spring chicken. When he left Haran, he was already 75 years old with a beautiful wife named Sarai. She was about 65 years old. Now, I know they lived a lot longer back then, so I guess you could say they were still kids, well, maybe teenagers, actually, probably even young adults, because they had been, 75 years was still a relatively older guy. Abram was already a wealthy man. He had servants. He had livestock here. He probably walked out of Haran with quite a large entourage of people. Yet God told him that he would be blessed beyond that. Hebrews 11.8 in the New Living Translation tells us, It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. That's faith. I can't imagine packing the moving truck and saying to the driver to pull out without knowing what town you wanted him to go to. Don't ask questions, just drive. It sounds like something a terrorist would say just as he's about to blow something up. He stopped at a place called Shechem, right in the middle of the promised land. And he says in Genesis 12, 7, Then the Lord appeared to Abram. And he said, I will give this land to your descendants. Now I want you to picture this. You're traveling in the moving van with your wife and the driver. Your wife can't be a backseat driver because in the moving van, there's only one row of seats. However, the driver thinks you're crazy. Your wife is probably beginning to think you're crazy. And suddenly God appears in the truck 
right beside you and he says, this is it. Now you have arrived. Are we there yet? Yes, you are there. This is the land that I will give to you and to your children and to your grandchildren. I imagine this would have been very comforting to Abraham, although a bit disconcerting as well. Especially when you're 75 and you don't have any children. You're going to give this land to me and to my children? What children were you talking about? And I could have driven right by this place if God hadn't shown up and told me that this was a place. Talk about a lack of planning. It's like shooting an arrow, not having a target, yet hitting the bullseye. I think I'm with Abraham here, Abram. I'd be putting up some kind of landmark. And I'd get down on my knees and I would thank him that he showed up because I was beginning to get dirty looks from the driver and my wife. I would want to stake a claim to this place that God had promised to me. Well, he does do that, but he does it in a unique way. We're told that he actually stops there and he builds an altar. Why did he build an altar in this location? There are a couple possible reasons. The first one is simple. We'll talk about this one a little more in depth in a moment, but it was an act of worship. Consider the fact that this was the place where God spoke to him. Therefore, he wanted to set this place as a memorial. It's almost like a, a moment to realize this is the place where God's been, and I want to come back to this place to worship again because God may be here again in the future. But the second reason, and it's sort of a reminder still, but he wanted to remind himself of what took place. There are multiple times throughout Scripture where we see the people of Israel setting up some sort of memorial to mark the work that God done. Probably the greatest example of this is after the Israelites had crossed over the Jordan River into the Promised Land, and Joshua had them take 12 stones from out of the Jordan River and take them and set up a memorial, a monument, so that as generations would pass, when they would see that monument, people could say, this was the place where God allowed us to cross the Jordan River on dry ground. Well, here we have Abram. He's setting up an altar. And it's an opportunity for him to be reminded of the work that God has done in promising this place to him. This would be the place where God's blessing would begin to be fulfilled for Abram. And that blessing would include, first of all, a new home. Remember, he left his family behind. This blessing would be taking place here, and he would set up tents. Now I realize that at this point, there were Canaanites that lived in this land. And it would be actually a couple generations before they would move back to this promised land. But they would set up a new home, and this would be the place that they would recognize as their place. In this place, God would give him descendants. Now I'm not telling you that there's no way that Abram would have had kids later down the road. But what I am telling you is he's 75 years old and having children was a status thing in their society. If you could not have children, you were considered unsuccessful no matter how much wealth you had. Children was the defining factor for them. I will guarantee you that Abram wanted to have children. But at 75 years old, he still hasn't been able to have any. Is it possible that it, had he stayed in Haran that God never would have given him the opportunity to have children as God blessed him with down the road? Certainly possible. 
But more than anything, this blessing that God offers to him is the opportunity to have a real communicating relationship with God. He had a home. There were other family members. We know that Lot actually came with Abram. It's likely that Lot even saw Abram maybe as somewhat of a father figure. So it could be argued that he had a home and he even had children. So what is different about coming here to the land of Canaan? It is the fact that he is obeying God. And God has promised that I will go with you. Had he stayed, had he stayed in Haran, he would have been living a disobedient life. And God would not bless that. But here, he chose to follow God. These are all things that Abram would have missed out on likely had he stayed home. You know, it's interesting that in order to truly experience God's blessing, Abram first had to be willing to risk everything. But the risk was worth it. It's the law of risk and reward. Sometimes you have to risk something to be able to receive the reward. And that's what takes place with Abram. It's also interesting. God walked and he spoke with Adam, Enoch, Noah. And somehow it, he appears also with Abram. I wonder how he appeared. Was it in human form like some of the uh, times that Jesus seems to appear in the Old Testament? Was he one? Was, he, was it the same God who appeared in the fiery furnace in Daniel chapter 3 with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Was this the same commander of the Lord's army that would show up in front of Joshua as Joshua was preparing to go into battle? I don't know. But what I know is that God met with him and God spoke with him. Genesis 12, 8 goes on to say about Abram, says, Then he proceeded from there to the mountain on the east of Bethel, and he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. I like this. Notice what he did. First of all, he built an altar. Then he travels a little further. And what does he do? He builds another altar. What he is doing is he is continuing to call upon the name of the Lord. It wasn't a one-time thing, but rather he has made a choice that he is going to continually call upon the name of the Lord. Are we there yet? We ought to be there. You see, God does not desire a one-time relationship with us where we can keep going back to that same place and experiencing him in that place, but rather everywhere that we move, he wants to go with us. He sends his spirit to live within us and we become his sacrifice. We allow our bodies to be offered up as a living sacrifice unto him with his spirit alive within us. We allow the old to die so that the new can come to life, which only takes place through Jesus Christ. I asked the question at the beginning today, are we there yet? We can spend an awful lot of time talking about Abram and the fact that he spiritually was there. He was at a point of obedience. He was willing to follow. He had surrendered everything to God. No matter what took place, he was ready. So in that perspective, are we there yet? Yes, he was absolutely there. But he still had a journey. 
What I would suggest to you that each of us, we also need to reach that point where we can answer spiritually, yes, we are there. But wherever you take me, whatever valleys I have to walk through, whatever mountains I have to climb, we are there. I'm willing. I will obey. I am surrendered fully to you. That needs to be the heart of every single one of us. Now, I will tell you that along that journey, there will be times that you will feel more intimately close with God. I think that's kind of the purpose of that altar. Abram felt intimately close with God. Remember, God spoke to him back in Haran, but we're not told that he built an altar there. Go to the place where I will show you. And then when he experienced that place, that place that he would call home, that was where he stopped and he built that altar. There will be times that you will experience God more intimately than at any other point in your life. Embrace those times. Celebrate those times. But realize that when you move from that place, he still goes with you. You may be more aware of it in that place. I can remember being at a camp meeting where it just felt like the Holy Spirit was so real to me. And I knew that God was there with me and he was ministering to me. And I was being challenged and changed and I didn't even want to leave. But you know, I did. And he still goes with me. Even though you can have those experiences where incredible intimacy is real, as it was for Abram here where he built that first altar. Know that worship does not stop when you walk away from that place. Often we think of a church as a place where we worship. It's a place where we spend time digging into God's word. We sing special songs. We give. We do all kinds of things that are related to worship. But every moment of your life should be an act of worship. The way you interact with people out there ought to be an act of worship. The way you raise your children ought to be an act of worship. The way you handle your husband and wife ought to be an act of worship. We need to allow the altar that Abram built to be applied to us. Are we there yet? Are we spiritually to the point that we are willing to take God with us everywhere that we go? I will tell you this morning that there are times that I feel like I'm closer to my destination than at other times. There are times I feel like maybe, actually sometimes I probably feel like maybe God's not patient enough for me because I feel like I'm so far from where I need to be. We were in our Sunday school class this morning. We were talking about membership in the Wesleyan Church, and we were talking about the fact that it is possible for an individual, once they give their hearts to Christ, to still struggle with the issue of sin. It's not something we have to do, by the way, but it is possible for an individual to continue to struggle. And I find that even though I've been a Christian since 1990, so 26 years, well over half of my life, I still find the need to regularly come back to God and often to confess sin and to simply say, Lord, I need a fresh start. I wonder if by providing a second altar, what Abram was doing, maybe he was simply saying, you know what? Even when I'm not in that place, 
I need to be able to come before my God. You need to have that freedom as well. What I will tell you is every one of us needs those moments where we can simply be intimate with him. If I can challenge you in one way today, it is to establish a place where you can experience intimacy with God. Maybe for you it's a place in your home. You guys remember uh, there was a movie that came out just uh, uh, not that long ago. It was um, War Room. You guys know it better than I do. And a lady had a room where basically she would go and pray continually. Maybe you need a war room, a place to go and pray and just to push aside all your other distractions and just focus on him. Maybe for you, it's in your car. When you're riding down the road and you're going to work, if you can do it without getting angry at the other drivers, if you can do it without closing your eyes while you drive, maybe that becomes your place where you simply experience intimacy intimacy with God. Or maybe it's none of those things. Maybe for you, God will bless you with the ability to experience that intimacy even when other people are surrounding you. Moms have to do it. Little children running constantly to them. They can't even get a spare moment in the bathroom because kids are always there. They want your attention constantly. Maybe you could be like Nehemiah. I love the story of Nehemiah. Nehemiah realized that the walls of Jerusalem needed to be rebuilt. They had been destroyed and he was heartbroken over it. And he was standing before the king and the king recognized there was something different about Nehemiah today. And it was simply the fact that he was overwhelmed. He had so much on him. His heart was broken. And the king asked him, what's wrong? And we're told that Nehemiah stopped and he prayed. He simply asked the Lord to speak through him, to give him wisdom. Now, I don't think he said, you know what, King, hold on one second. Let me go over here and pray before I answer you. I think he simply, almost under his breath, said, Lord, this is yours. If this is your opportunity, help me to speak clearly. You can experience intimacy in certain places, you can experience intimacy anywhere. I ask you the question today, are we there yet? Are you there yet? If not, today is the day to experience intimacy. Two things, and I'll close. One, if you do not yet know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, he desires an intimate relationship with you. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, he desires intimacy with you. He tells us if we will only call upon his name, that he will hear us, that he will respond. And I want to encourage you maybe even today to make that decision. But I'll also tell you that there are many in here who we're still looking back at either a time or a place where we built an altar and we experienced God there. And we left that place a long time ago and therefore we also walked away from the intimacy with God. It's time to renew that intimacy again. 
I'm going to ask if everyone would bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Father, as we come before you today, Lord, we seek your grace. We recognize that among a group this size, it's possible, probable even, that there may be some who do not yet know you as their personal Savior. They do not know the intimacy which you offer to them. But I pray right now that you would grant that intimacy. Give them the forgiveness of sins as they confess to you and allow you to begin this journey with them. Lord, I also pray today for those who have been in the church for a long time. Maybe they made a decision somewhere along the way, but somewhere along the way they forgot about that decision. Maybe they had this place, they had this preacher in mind. They had this time the way things used to be in mind. And they've walked away from that time and as they've walked away they have failed to maintain that intimacy with you. But I pray today that you would renew within them a hunger for you. With every head bowed and eye closed this morning, I want to be able to pray personally for you. If you would say, Pastor, I need the salvation of Jesus Christ and I don't yet have it, would you simply raise your hand? I want to be able to pray for you. I will not call you out. I won't embarrass you, but I want to be able to pray for you. Thank you. Put it back down. Thank you. If you would say, Pastor, I have the salvation of Jesus Christ, but I have not experienced intimacy with him in a very long time. Today, I want to be intimate with my God again. Would you raise your hand? See hands up all over. Father, I pray today that right now you would intervene on our behalf. It is a miracle that we would ever be welcomed or even invited into your presence. Yet you have made it possible for us today. Lord, I pray that you would give us a hunger and a thirst for you. Lord, I pray that nothing would satisfy that hunger except you. Lord, I pray that for the... One that raised his hand to say that he wanted a right relationship with you, that he did not have one. I pray that you would grant it right now. For the dozen or so people that raised their hands and said that they wanted to renew that intimacy with you, Lord, may it happen right now. Fill them with your spirit so that every place they go, Every moment of their lives, they can walk in intimacy with you. Help us to be disciplined, to find those times when we can get away and just have time with you. Lord, I pray that you would help us to take you with us everywhere we go. But we give you praise for what you're doing. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I want you to know today that God desires intimacy with you and with me. And you can ask that question, are we there yet? And I hope that the answer is yes. That's the point of today's message. I do thank you for being with us this morning, and I hope that we can see you guys again. This is the first sermon in a series entitled Look to the Stars, which you'll understand why it's entitled that way as we continue in this series. So thank you for being with us this morning. Go in peace.